following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We are at Minute 42 of Flash Gordon Minute. Eric, how are you this evening? Brad, I am mouth agape right now, for I have seen my own fetus, and it's the most wondrous sight mine eyes have ever beheld. It is quite a sight. It is quite a sight. That's uh, some 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 crazy stuff going on. But speaking of crazy stuff, somebody who's used to dealing with crazy crazy stuff. We have Travis Bo with us from Watchmen Minute. Travis, how are you? Doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. This is actually an exciting episode. This is uh, our first time with Flash Gordon Minute recording at the brand new Geppetto Studios in New Freedom, Pennsylvania. I moved recently. Uh, we actually took a week off from recording, and uh, we're we're in our new home base. So uh, very excited. Uh, it, it's a great space. Uh, it, it's it's thrilling. I'm honored to to be here with you. Yeah, welcome. We haven't even had a chance to put all our flash Gordon paraphernalia up on the walls yet. I noticed. I didn't want to say anything. It's been a it's been a, a crazy couple of weeks, uh, but it's and, it, and it's 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 been hard because I haven't been able to talk with uh, Eric as often. It, if Eric and I go a week uh, without talking, <laughs> I miss him. <laughs> there is a definite. There is last week. There was definitely something lacking in my week. I was like, oh yeah, I'm not recording with Brad this week. Yeah. So. Um, it, really excited to talk to you, Travis. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of uh, Watchmen Minute and of Watchmen. Yeah, and it's uh, such a crazy movie. It's a movie that they were trying to get to make happen for literally decades, and then they yeah, and then they made it happen, and it wasn't like anyone expected because it was so true to the original source material, which nobody thought was going to happen like that. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what we're talking today. We're talking about <laughs> Minute 42 of Flash Gordon. Eric, walk us through what, what happens in Minute 42. Yeah, we've, uh, we're picking up where we left off last week. We're right in the middle of the Hans Zarkov mind wipe. Um, we, we delved into you know almost a frame-by-frame back uh, breakdown on the last show, um, and this minute is is it kind of works out very well because the the mind wipe almost ends like at the exact second that this minute ends. So this whole first episode here with Travis, we get to complete uh, the mind wipe, and just like I did last week, I I, I really did go through this thing frame by frame. Uh, there's more wacky stuff in this thing, just like there was last uh, in in uh, last week's episode when we hit this. So uh, we'll do the same thing we did last week. Uh, uh, where we're just we're gonna go in chronological order of this mind wipe. Uh, so uh, starting out, uh, we ended last week. Sarkov was walking with a woman in the field. The first time we had seen this woman, so at that point we did not know who she was. Uh, she's still walking with the woman here. I guess our our episode our minute must have cut right in the middle. We go to some more circuit boards and control panels. We had a lot of that in the last episode. Not so much this time, but there's a little bit more here. And I and I had a. A thought that I hadn't thought about last week when we were talking about this, that with, with the circuitry and the control panels, 
uh, it reminded me of in high school, I had to read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And throughout the book, Chief Bromden, whose character is, is the narrator of the story, there's, there's all this machinery and wiring uh, imagery that is used throughout the book um, to sort of denote what his state of mind is at the time. And it just kind of uh, occurred to me, you know, it made me think of that as we were seeing all this circuitry and, and motherboards and stuff like that uh, in this mind wipe. There's just so, so much going on in these scenes, and this is a great minute to watch over and over again because there's a, just a lot of flashing images and trying to piece it together, and the fact that it has this reverse reverse timeline going on, it's like, oh, okay, I think I know what's going on, and then interspersed with the craziness of the circuit boards and everything, and then... Also, a lot of cats. Still trying to figure out the cats. The cats were freaking me out last week, but it continues. I'm glad that uh, that we're going through this, you know, frame by frame, basically, because that's how I how I did my notes. Because it was so much um, like sensory overload going through this minute, and it's like, like thanks for throwing me into the scene. I feel like a woman <laughs> being tossed into a pool. Like, like, what is even going on in this scene? What a good segue, Travis. It's almost like you know the movie by minute format so well. <laughs> yeah, uh, we get out of the so we get out of the circuit boards, and Zarkov is snuggling and kissing this woman, and then we cut to people goofing around a pool with this woman. None of them, interestingly, Zarkov though. There's about four or five other people goofing around this woman. None of them Zarkov. Zarkov starts saying the name Hilda. So now we've got a name for this woman. I think we can safely assume that this is his wife. Well, in the next group of shots. These people decide it would be funny to throw Hilda into the pool. And what happens? She drowns. And the death, the drowning, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Because either she cannot swim, which these people should have known, and they never should have thrown her in the pool. Or she can swim, and there's no reason she should have drowned. In addition, nobody jumps in to save her. Yeah, that's that was my basic <laughs> note. It's like, are, are we to understand that the party goers just let her drown? It didn't even look like that deep a pool. I'm gonna just gonna say it. it sure. I, I don't think they <laughs> threw her into the deep end. She could have, if she got on her tiptoes, she should have been able to really just walk out of it. Throwing someone in a pool. I mean, it looks like they're at a really nice, you know, everyone's in a suit and tie and dresses. So I don't even know. It's a weird party. Uh, yeah. I have a feeling we may not be getting documentary quality uh, reenactments here. Yeah, it, it did strike me as like, I, I I would like to think if you throw a grown adult into a pool, regardless of their swimming ability, everyone's going to make it out okay. Yeah, someone you'd think would jump in or, you know, making a, some kind of effort to get her out. <laughs> After seeing this minute, though, one of the things with our new house, we, it does come with a pool. I'm, I'm thinking of just shutting that stuff down. <laughs> I mean, she's not even that. It's like you know, to your point, Brad, that it doesn't look like a, that deep a pool. She's not that far from the edge either. I, you know, I you know, someone almost could, even if no one else could swim there, you could have almost stuck your leg out and had her just grab onto your leg and pulled her in. We need more backstory, which we're not going to get. And I, I'm glad we do have this. And this minute and a half, like the last thirty seconds of the previous episode or previous minute, rather, really does give us just a whole lot of backstory and a lot of depth to this Arkov character. Because uh, this is, it, it's obviously, regardless of how ridiculous it is, it's tragic. Um, and, and he's obviously very affected by it. And 
um, you, you know, hats off. Uh, this is a good performance because, and it's got to be a very challenging uh, acting exercise. It's like, okay, do all the emoting while being perfectly still with your head strapped down. We're going to yell out to you the things that you're seeing, and you have to emote the hell out of it. So a, a good a good bit of performing. It's it's interesting because, like, as I went through this, um, you know, this little around the pool section, you know, frame by frame, there are moments on her face where it looks like she has is in complete terror. And then other moments where it looks like she's laughing and smiling, but it's a weird, like you kind of have to play it through to see that she's like there. She's having fun. It, it wasn't like she's being chased and she's in danger, you know, but no, it wasn't. A, it was not an assault. Right. And, it, and at first when I started going through it, I thought, oh, maybe I misunderstood. And it was someone you know, trying to do her harm. But then, you know, you start to see that there's a bunch of other people and they're drinking and, and all this. And then you realize, no, they're just just at a party. And I guess things get out of hand. And yeah, it's weird. Yeah, she doesn't look like she's not saying, you know, oh, no, no, don't throw me in struggling. She, she's laughing as they're picking her up. Yeah. Uh, well, then so. We get a little bit of a break uh, in the images from the pool, and we get into some really wacky stuff. We get some really fast flashes first of a gorilla and a drawing of Joseph Stalin flipping back and forth. And incredibly enough, there actually is a connection between gorillas and Joseph Stalin. Oh, okay. I'm... Oh, that's right. Uh, which I never knew this. This was, I found this out just in researching this minute. This This blew my mind. So... A, uh, back in the 1920s, there was a Russian scientist named Ilya Ivanovich Ivanov. Uh, that's I-I-I for his initials, by the way, if you're keeping score at home. He carried out a series of experiments where he wanted to create a human-non-human-ape hybrid. He was working with human sperm and female chimpanzees and was unable to, to do anything with that. So then he tried to take uh, non-human-ape sperm with human volunteers but he couldn't get it going because his last orangutan died. And there's a lot of stuff online that implies that Stalin wanted to create an army of man-ape soldiers and that this yeah. guy, Ivanov, was involved in that, something called the human Z, a combination of a human and a chimpanzee. I, you know, there were a million conspiracy websites. You can really get into a deep rabbit hole with this stuff. So, you know... There was nothing necessarily definitive that Stalin really was looking to do that, but it's possible that he was. Um, but it appears what was most likely going on with, from the scientist's point of view was not that he was necessarily looking to create a man-ape hybrid army, but he wanted to discredit creationism. He hoped his experiments would prove that humans evolved from apes. So regardless of what the truth is, the, the, the basic no, fact is there no, is actually a connection between gorillas and Joseph Stalin. Damn, and I I got to imagine that was not by accident. No, I I can't imagine it was. Call out Eric, that's fantastic. That's uh, I'd forgotten that. I want to say, what was the movie uh, or book, the Michael Crichton book, Congo? I feel like uh, the 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 humanity or the ape human hybrids. That was sort of a plot point or a suggestion of a plot point from there. And I, when you were talking about it, I'm looking it up, and I was wanted to see if they mentioned that on, in the Wikipedia page for Human Z, which has its own Wikipedia page. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they actually mentioned, instead of uh, Congo, they mentioned a Michael Crichton book, Next, uh, which was 2006, which I want to say 
was either his last book before he passed or the first book after he passed, which apparently has some writing about uh, that sort of monkey hybrid. Apparently, just Michael Crichton liked it. He, 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 he also was, like, big into, hey, monkey people stuff. So <laughs> he, he, he delves into some uh, Stalin that then what? Then we get a flashing back and forth of a screeching cat and Nikita Khrushchev. Now, unfortunately, I could not find anything online about Khrushchev wanting to create a race of cat people. <laughs> uh, but I figured that was maybe just Khrushchev was known for, you know, his big bombastic speeches and, you know, like a screeching cat. That's the best I could come up with there. Well, Kr- Khrushchev, probably best known. I want to say when I was in school learning about Russia, when they would come to talk about Khrushchev, best known for... Uh, just this big speech, I want to say at the UN, where he took his shoe off and was smashing his shoe on the podium about the dominance of uh, uh, so the Soviet Union. Despite the bombast, he ended up being pretty agreeable and a lot of diplomatic strides between the U.S. and this uh, USSR during that time. Uh, but that's basically all I know about Khrushchev. Smashing his shoe on the podium and uh, also after that, Every bad guy, be it from every Russian bad guy, be it from cartoons, comics, wrestling, or crappy TV shows, would have some sort of take on Khrushchev. Yeah, they all look like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a few James Bond villains that uh, <laughs> I've, I've seen. So, all right. So, so after Khrushchev, he, him making a little bit of an appearance, and then what? Who's next? So then we, we, we go back uh, to the pool, and now Zarkov is covering Hilda's body with a blanket. Now, what that means is, now Zarkov, remember I mentioned, was not in the footage, or I should say within the Zarkov memories of Hilda being thrown in the pool, but it means he was there at the party. But it also means, after she died, she had to get out, so someone went in the water to get the body after she died. Either they fished her out of the filter. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't look wet though, and the weird thing that about this little scene is the he makes some really dopey l- expressions. He's almost grinning as he kind of throws his blanket over. Yeah, I saw that too. He he does that throughout this movie. Yeah, you know, they're they're earlier in the movie when when all the the Dale being hypnotized stuff was going on. He had this very almost smiley, smirky kind of expression on his face. So I wonder if that's just Topol's serious face but i i noticed that too brian blessed was probably mooning him just off camera <laughs> every time he had his like every time he had a serious scene is like to, uh, brian blessed was like hey hey look over here and just <laughs> shot on the moon so then we get more animal slash world leader image images we get two iguanas that look like they're talking to each other and that is juxtaposed with FDR and Winston Churchill. Um, again, not not sure if the U.S. and the U.K. wanted to create iguana men back in World War II, but I guess there's some imagery there of the two iguanas equating to FDR and Churchill. I think they're actually bearded dragons. Ah, okay. Which is much more plausible for your uh, hybrid soldier theory. <laughs> Clearly. Oh, yeah, now it all comes together. Then we go to Hilda's funeral. Um, and again, you know what, Travis, again, Zarkov's got kind of that almost smile at his own wife's funeral. And it it seems like he's the one comforting everybody else. And I mean, he was the husband. Yeah. 
I guess they're trying to present him as the rock of the family. Uh, he's the one that everyone leans on. Um, and, and that can add, even making it more tragic, where the Zarkov that we've seen is a bit of a loner. Uh, he, he's been, you know, kick, as we like to talk about, he's been kicked out of NASA. At one point, he was someone who was the center and the heart of a family. And I guess trying to make it even more tragic where with her passing, uh, who he his identity was lost. So, uh, but you're right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he's, he's, he's supposed to be the one who's uh, sitting on a chair crying while everyone else uh, consoles him. It doesn't seem to be the way this uh, particular unit uh, functions. Uh, so then we're, we're getting... Once again, more animals, more world leaders. Um, we get some old guy. I don't know if you recognize this first old guy, either one of you. I did not in this uh, next round. With uh, the lion? Yeah. Uh, it's Churchill. Oh, that's Churchill again. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we move on to Dwight D. Eisenhower. I like Ike. Um, and a chimp. I'm not sure if that's a, a smack against Eisenhower or not. And, of course, it's been a long, long time since my uh, high school history all I can think of with Dwight Eisenhower is I like Hike. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing a uh, like a fourth or fifth grade report on Eisenhower and learning how much influence or how much involvement he had on the interstate, you know, the road system. But uh, that's my only... Yeah, it goes to show just how effective a campaign that was because everything else is lost. But I like Hike. Eh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Doesn't even make sense. Uh, then after the chimp, we get uh, a monkey uh, making some really freaky eyes, bugging out, um, and uh, he's got a, a he's got a toy that has a similar that's got the same expression that the monkey has. And I actually it, it kind of reminded me of one of those one of the goofy gremlins from Gremlins Two. Uh, if anyone listening knows who I'm talking about with the really goofy face, I think this is a, it, this is an orangutan. Okay, it's an orangutan. Okay, yeah. Um, this one is juxtaposed with the painting of Albert Einstein, and the only connection I had there was that Einstein's eyes kind of look like the monkey's eyes. Yeah, it's when it uh, is flipping back and forth, it makes it look like the Einstein image has like these big googly eye, like cartoon eyes, because the the orangutan's eyes are so you know big and, and cartoony themselves. So then we get into a lead into uh, uh, a nice one-liner from Clytus. We get uh, Hitler and some of his army, and we get a, some shots of people in gas masks, one of which is a bunch of soldiers, and another shot of uh, men in suits sitting in a room. Uh, and that leads into um, a just a absolutely classic Clytus one-liner. Travis, you, you want to do the honors on this one? Mm. <laughs> ah, now he showed promise. Oh, that Clytus. <laughs> You know, always looking for new recruits. It just goes to show, what's amazing is Hitler and Nazism just has is shorthand now for pure evil. I, I got to think about this. It's like, it's not like he's the only really, really, really bad dictator. I looked up one website that was like listing the worst dictator by you know, amount of lives lost or, you know, amount of people killed under their regimes and... You know, Hitler's number three uh, with 17 million deaths. It's like, geez, he sucked. Stalin had 23 million on his uh, on his rap sheet. 
And uh, Mao uh, Zedong, uh, with the Great Leap Forward and the Cultural Revolution, they estimate between 49 and 78 million deaths. But Mao doesn't really get the, uh, does not get the press. And Stalin, while definitely, I feel, viewed as one of the terrifying, evil leaders of, uh, you know, the last hundred years, doesn't seem to get, still doesn't quite um, rank the awareness of Hitler. There's just, I don't know if it's, uh, Hitler was so visually striking with the the, the, the the small mustache and the hair and everything, he, he definitely was someone who does imprint on you visually. Like, there are video, you know, I can picture and hear in my head, you know, clips of him, you know, in his, you know, giving his angry speeches and just slamming his hand down and, and yelling, where, whereas I don't have that with Stalin. You know, but I can't think of a time where I've, I've seen those and him making, you know, hate, hateful speeches and, and that kind of stuff. So I think playing off that, too, is, you know, whenever you, you there's always footage of, you know, Hitler's followers, you know, the Nazis and the soldiers, you know, there's all, there's so much video footage of them. And then, you know, the, the swastika has become such a symbol of evil and you don't see the video footage of the soldiers under Stalin. There's no logo that Mao Zedong had that, you know, has become, you you know, come to, to be a metaphor for evil. That's all tied into Hitler. Really all about the evil marketing. Yeah. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a trope when it comes to this, this kind of type of psychological torture where we're seeing, you know, images flashing. Um, they always seem to include Nazi imagery. Just become an incredible shorthand for that. Yeah, and I find it interesting as well that Clytus is is aware. Seeing these images or seeing this person, you know, it, it unless he this is the first time he's seeing Hitler and he instantly understands what he's seeing and who the person is, and maybe that's the case, but it, it just. Seems like he's got some other information about who he's seeing, and yeah, there definitely seems to be an implied awareness. There's been an implied awareness of uh, a lot of Earth culture and Earth history leading up to this minute. So, um, yeah, he. But regardless, Clytus likes what he sees. It's like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's. It, I guess that's the quickest way to show that someone's evil was like, all right. They, 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 when they're sort of have a favorable impression of the most recognizably evil human being in the history of this planet. But then uh, moving on from uh, Hitler and Clytus' uh, uh, appreciation that he's got potential in his eyes, uh, what do we see next? Well, the, the, so now we're getting to some more of the really quick flashes of stuff. And first we get a really weird looking bird, which actually looks like a bird that's stoned to be honest with you yeah i thought it was either a really old and near dead like eagle or or it was a almost a newly hatched eagle like it's its eyes were just really big but also squinty like yeah and it's it's just it's it's feathers just look strange they don't yeah. look like nor, they don't look like healthy feathers right we get another hitler then we get an owl with its eyes just flat out bugging out 
before we go to a different Hitler photo. Um, now, you know, th this is a really uh, uh, I, I, this this is a stretch, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to connect another a animal to one of our world leaders here. I, to me, I think it's most likely just an owl as a predator, and you know, Hitler you could look at as a predator, um, but. In looking that stuff up, it could refer to something called the Rees Construction Project. And these were some underground structures uh, in what is Lower Silesia, which was part of Germany. Now it's in Poland. But those were located in the Owl Mountains. And this was a secret Nazi project. So I, it's a stretch, but I figured I'd throw it out there. We're willing to stretch. We're willing to stretch here. <laughs> Uh, then we get a close-up of a guy in a gas mask, we get another owl's face, a different guy in a gas mask, and we end it with uh, another man that I don't know. I don't know if either one of you caught this next guy. Um, I think by this point I was a little overwhelmed, and there was also <laughs> nothing nothing to really go off of with this image. Like, he's not standing next to somebody, or so I had no context clues to, in order to even search for who this could be. I suppose I could have done like a reverse Google image search kind of thing, but... Yeah, I, 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 I was stumped on that one. Have you ever done that before? Have, have you done reverse Google image searches? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I found um, uh, completely tangential, but uh, my wife and I were in a little coffee shop in Tennessee on vacation in Nashville, and she took a picture of a painting she just absolutely fell in love with. And it occurred to me a couple of, you know, years later, like, I'd like to find first Google image searched and found the guy's website and, and everything. So, yeah, it works. Oh, be darn. I just thought that because, uh, really, most of the time when I see uh, Google image searches, my wife's a fan of the show Catfish. And uh, that is the first thing that they do when they try to discover if the person who they're – they're trying to help is talking with is if it's a real person they're talking with so and it never works but i guess if it worked all the time it would be a uh, show would be uh, too short so all right good to know good to know it works <laughs> uh so then we get back to zarkov he and other people are fleeing what is clearly during uh some kind of a war most likely world war ii based on what we've been seeing uh there's some images of a fighter jet uh, we start getting shots of destroyed buildings, a bridge being blown up, um, a bunch of photos of a bombed-out city. Uh, and the, the thing about this cluster of photos of the bombed-out cities, these in looking at this frame by frame, these shots are like five one-hundredths of a second long. Yeah. So, you know, when you're just watching the movie regularly, it's just like, you know, and you're, you're getting maybe 20 images here in, in like one or two seconds. Uh, but it's, I counted 18 different photos of a bombed-out city, each one five hundredths of a second long. You know, I'm trying to think of when I see this, I'm, you know, this is all obviously tying into Zarkov's life, and, uh, you know, are they saying that he, this is when he was a child and he was escaping this bombing, or, you know, where... And then I'm also trying to think of, like, what age he would have been when this occurred. So he probably was a child, and, you know, this is his, his memories of just, you know, trying to escape and getting out, and... Uh, you know, and again, adding more depth and uh, he's sort of explaining why he's so driven to, you know, protect the world because he, he saw uh, during World War II his world coming to an end. It adds some heroism to the character. Yeah, and actually, in, in thinking about it, it makes sense now where he would have he was willing to shoot Ming and say, you know, 
a, a good uh, you know equation one life for billions he's seen what Hitler did and he saw he's he basically saying I'm willing even though I have no idea who this Min guy is I've never been on this planet I'm willing to stop someone a Hitler type person from doing the same thing by giving my life for it see I thought in this kind of color uh, you know the the colorized flashback scene that we're getting of them you know escaping um i think it's just generic eastern europe um i thought that we were seeing his father like i didn't think that this was zarkov himself i thought he was because later we'll see that he plays his own father ah yes that's true flashback so i i thought these were his parents He has just like on a white button-up shirt with a tie and maybe suspenders is maybe the, you know, is Hans. And then the gentleman who is played by Topol in the hat, I thought was the father. But Well, I guess let's see. If this movie took place in the year it was filmed, let's say it was supposed to be 1980. So let's say that these people of vacuum would have been 40 years before. Topol's character looks like he's probably in his 40s or 50s. So, yeah, I guess he would have been a little too young to be that character in this specific shot. Yeah, I go with that. That makes sense. Now we get, we really get uh, bombarded now with a lot of imagery. We get, and yeah, I counted this. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm out of my mind. Um, we get 14 photos of bombed out cities. We get seven photos of what appears to be the attack on Pearl Harbor. Then we get another 27 photos of bombed-out cities, some soldiers posing, a downed Nazi plane, uh, what looks like the night sky being lit up by a firefight. Um, and the only image of note in all of these images that I found was this. One of them is a crowd shot, and someone's holding up a sign that says, Well done, Eden. And Googling that, uh, it looks like that likely, likely refers to Anthony Eden, who was the British Foreign Secretary during World War II and succeeded Churchill as the British Prime Minister. Man, they went deep for this. For, for I know. These I mean, it's really, very impressive, this, uh, this, this sequence. It really is. Someone had fun putting this together. Yeah. Well, and I sort of um, talked about this last week. This is the first time, and there's a whole lot of stuff that's happening with Flash Gordon. It, it's been campy. It's been fun. It's been there's been some good action, some very very sexy characters. But this was the first time where the movie was a little unsettling. Where uh, and I know it's, it's it's still played over the top. Watching this and learning more about to, uh, about Zarkov, while Zarkov's in theory learning less about himself, where he's basically having his mind ripped away from him, is unsettling. And this is a character who. In previous minutes, he talked about, you know, don't take his mind. It's his whole life has been about attaining knowledge, and uh, it, it's it's this is it's creepy stuff. Yeah, I think unsettling is is the right you know word for it, especially just the the weird stuff that even comes after the, all the war imagery. It's hard to know what to think about it, you know. And um, I mean, Eric, I don't know. Do, do you agree? This is really the first time where. Zarkov's has sort of been not really a good guy because he kidnapped Dale and Flash. Uh, he, he's, you know, sort of been a, definitely a, a take-no-prisoner sort of personality. And uh, this is where he really, really becomes likable. 
Yeah, the the sympathy the, we're sympathizing with him now finally. So what what's the the next in the the list of images that occur in this minute? Yeah, incredibly enough, as exhausting as this minute and a half sequence has been, we're actually just about at the end. We get a whole bunch of shots of kids uh, playing or in school. Um, this now is clearly meant to represent Zarkov as a little kid. We get, uh, as Travis mentioned a couple of minutes ago, we get Topol, uh, clearly Topol playing his Zarkov's father, goofing around at the dinner table. Being a real jerk. Yeah, you know, I was trying to figure out, was he being mean to the servant or was he goofing around with her? I couldn't really tell. I think judging by the look on her face, it does not seem that she's having fun. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And it's weird because it's, you know, he is making a weird, goofy face. Who I'm, I'm assuming that the camera POV is, you know, young Hans. It's odd that that's how he would choose to remember this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could be goofing on the servant for Han's benefit. Something that stuck out to me was um, that until this point at the end here with the kids, all the the photos of the kids, I only counted three photos in all the previous parts of this montage where it was a repeat of a photo previously used, which I found incredibly impressive that they put all this together and, and didn't repeat photos. But... Then, with these kids, they only had several photos of the kids, and they used them a whole bunch of times each. And it just seems like, you know, whoever was putting this together got, like, to the very end, was finally like, ugh, I'm so exhausted, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and just like, you know, it's like fumbling on the one-yard line, you know? Oh, yeah, I see what you're talking about. And they kind of move the images a little bit, so it's not in the same position every time, but, yeah, it's definitely the same pictures, just... Which they kind of did that earlier with... Uh the portraits of like Eisenhower and Einstein, they, every time they flashed back to them, they were in slightly, you know, either closer and closer or moved a little bit. So, uh, and then we, we end the mind wipe and we tie back into, uh, might I mention back at the beginning, we have his mother in bed and then we have his actual birth and we freeze frame on Zarkov's fetus. It's a really good way to tie everything together, and you realize that this is, you know, reverse chronological, which we've already figured out by this point. But you know, there's no other way this could end. And uh, the the way they show the fetus, it's uh, again a little unsettling because it's just all the red and the black and the unearthliness of it, and the the way they make the fetus look so alien. Um, and you're sort of hearing, I think we already start to hear the heartbeat of the fetus. And that's um, effective and becomes even more so as we go into the next minute. So uh, a great way to tie up this scene and uh, really effective. Just a, a great job of from concept to performance to direction. Um, and they, they played it straight. They weren't going for, they could have done a ton of easy laughs in this scene. Um, and they, they kept away from it. So they, they made it, uh, real, they realized they had a very strong actor and, uh, they, they went for the, the, the more powerful scene. What I love is the, as soon as we see the fetus and we're, we, I assume that it's the same time that Zarkov is seeing. <laughs> of, you know, bewilderment or shock you know it's because like you said earlier you know he does a great job just 
being strapped down and, and selling all of this with just you know his facial you know expressions and his you know his breathing but once he sees the fetus it's like his heart skips a beat you know he he's wasn't anticipating that uh, you know not that he was anticipating any of what he has been seeing but that really i think affects him absolutely that's a powerful image you know uh and so so travis now uh by trade, you are a graphic designer. Correct. I'd like to ask you, what, what, you know, looking at it as a graphic designer as opposed to a, a movie, you know, uh, fan, what's your take on this mind wipe sequence? Um, it's, I mean, it's hard. Like I said earlier, it's hard to have, you know, an idea of what we're meant to take away from a lot of this, especially when you just watch the minute, you know, because it's this, it's a, it's cacophony of sounds and images. Um, I found it much more interesting, you know, as I went through it, you know, just frame by frame and got to see everything that we were being shown. Uh, so I'm glad that, that you did that as well. And that we got to actually talk about like everything that we got to see. Um, but then you even going back and playing that through just as it plays out, it's still, you still kind of lose some of that. I mean, the the, the sounds are, are interesting, but visually it's, it's just so overwhelming, you know, and especially like not having really prepared with the minutes that preceded this. Like I haven't been, you know, I guess, I mean, I was able to go back and look at the, the previous minutes to get, you know, that context information, but um, it, it's tough being kind of, th- when you just jump into this, this scene, you know, <laughs> cause I kind of forgot about this part of the film even. So, well, this isn't one of the fun parts of the movie. Uh, it's effective. <laughs> it's it was surprising. But, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you were hoping you were going to get them playing football or something. <laughs> Not this. <laughs> now it, it's strong visually. I think, um, it, it doesn't work so much when you've got the black and white footage mixed with the color flashbacks this color scenes i don't think look as good just in i don't think they mesh well together you know that that kind of effect but uh i think it loses a little bit there but definitely the that when it ends with that fetus image like you said the the red and the black um that's that's a solid you know strong way to go eric what else uh, and, and we we have been picking over this uh, minute with a fine tooth comb uh what else did you want to call out uh, i I'm, I'm exhausted <laughs> uh, we got we, yeah. we got to shut down and then and we'll we'll all gather back tomorrow for tomorrow's episode very good um uh, travis um you know watch for a minute you guys are doing a great job i believe you guys premiered on president's day the same day uh flash gordon minute did yeah it was a uh... February 19th, I believe, is when we launched, um, I think. But yeah, I think we started at the same time. Uh, it, it was uh, a minute-by-minute palooza because there was four shows that premiered the same day, which was very cool. And uh, it's I don't know, in a lot of ways, Flash Gordon and uh, Watchmen Minute just show the range of this format because they could not be much different, more different movies. But to tell uh, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, a Watchmen Minute. Okay, yeah. Um, so myself and and Eric Nash, my co-host, we are going through uh, the director's cut 
uh, Zack Snyder's director's cut of Watchmen. So it's a the movie then is 186 minutes. So it's a you know it's uh, it's an undertaking. But uh, we go Monday through Friday, and we are um, well underway, um, just like you guys are at this point. Yeah, he was uh, Eric was great on our show, and I know. Uh, our Eric is uh, scheduled, and I think I'm, I think I'm in the, on deck circle. I think at some point I'm going to get scheduled because uh, I, I really like the movie, and it definitely wasn't perfect because it was a very challenging source material to turn into a film. Uh, I know Alan Moore, who might be the crankiest person on the planet, uh, kept saying that he wrote and his concept was Watchmen was to show how great comics are. And he didn't think it was something that would uh, survive well into other formats. But, um, yeah, it was definitely uh, a, a, a good experiment to do that minute by minute. So, uh, yeah, and we uh, recommend the show. And um, what's your guys um, – uh, do you guys have a, your, your Facebook page or websites that you want to share as well? Um, I mean, we're pretty easy to find if you search Watchmen Minute. You know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you'll find us. Um, our website is at realpodcastnetwork.com. And then from there, you can find uh, Watchmen. You can find my other podcast, uh, Real Comic Heroes. That's real with two E's for the website and the, that podcast. But yeah, um, Watchmen Minute. Yeah, just search that and you'll, you'll find us. Very cool. Eric, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Yes, we are on Facebook as well. Please come chat with us in the Flash Gordon Minute listeners' vortex. Uh, we are on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod, and we have an email address, flashgordonminute at gmail.com. Yeah, we uh, rec- you know, ask you to rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more visibility we get, and we want, yeah, we, we want to share the love here. We want people to... Uh, we're having a great time here, and we want more people to listen to us and also have a great time. Well, you know, this has been a great f- first day of the week, um, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the week. But I'm going to be honest, Erica, I'm, I'm, I'm having some problems. Even with the new setup here, in our glorious new studios. You know, the studio is glorious, but I tell you what, this is a 40-year-old house. Previous owners may not have been the most handy guys possible, so we we need to have a new railing installed on the stairs. We need to we need, we're getting new uh, screen doors. We're doing and and geez, Eric, it's just everything costs so much money. Yeah, you know, forty year old house, forty year old virgin. I'm forty two. You know, things in their forties they cost a lot of money. You know, but don't worry if your wallet is just just leaking coins and dollar bills. Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. Now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this The fourth, the fifth, the minor fall The major lift, the baffled 
Even 